Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Now, here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Sister Lucille. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs.
Sister Lucille from their brand new release, and we got Kimberly and Jamie on the line right now. Hey guys, how you doing? Hi, how doing you good, doing? Doing good. Thanks for having us. Thank you for coming on the show. Now, um, yeah. you've been on the show before, but it's been a while since the last time you guys were, you know, on the show. Yeah. So let's give our fans out there an opportunity to kind of really get to know who you guys are. And the best way to do that is to look at your journey, how you got to where you are today. So give us the story of Sister Lucille and, of course, you, Kimberly, and you, Jamie, and how you got into music. Sure. Well, I'll let Kim go first because our stories are somewhat similar, but we both come from musical families. and. Yeah, I actually come from third-generation musicians on both sides of my family. They both played country music, and, you know, that's kind of where I came from and uh, kind of uh, started singing Patsy Cline, Loretta Lynn, all that good stuff with my mama. She was a lead singer. Daddy was lead guitar player. So, you know, about 20 years later, I got the opportunity to sing on the stage of the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville and did some amazing stuff out there. So that kind of started the first 20 years of my life anyway, and, and then... Uh, you want to cover yours from there and then yeah well i i had similarly come from a a, a musical family uh, with musical background and uh so i was around you know live music even if it was just you know playing acoustics in the kitchen you know as long as i can remember basically so um i feel that we're both blessed to, to be a couple of folks that that got to grow up that <clears throat> i think we probably would have thought it would have been strange if you weren't having a jam yes. session in your kitchen. <laughs> yeah, you know <laughs> what's wrong with those people? They're not playing guitars, you know. That so to us, I think we both just came up with it in our blood. We grew up performing, you know, starting at five and six years old, both of us, I think. So it's just kind of been in our blood forever. And then you know, so Sister Lucille came about. Um, 
And when was it? Like 20? Well, fast, fast forward another 20 years yeah. or so. You know, now we're older and have have raised a, a family and and, uh, and 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 never really got to do a lot of, of touring, um, you know, as far as hardcore road dogging it. And, uh, and, and so we're down in Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, we're getting turned on to some real deal blues. And we decided to start a little blues band called Sister Lucille. <laughs> okay. With my daddy. All right. That's what, yeah, that's what kind of started the whole thing. We were just like, you know, he's not in that great of health, and we never had the opportunity to play together. And it was, you know, it, how, how spectacular would it be to have your husband and your dad in a band with you? <laughs> so that's kind of what started the ambition. And uh, we won our local IBC competition in Springfield, Missouri, and went to Memphis and performed. And so we had to get as good as we could really, really fast. <laughs> we had just started and, and uh, didn't even expect to win the local one, just thought we'd go perform and you know, get get a gig at the bar there, and uh, we won it. So we had to get a little serious about it, and that's basically how we got started. You know, as the entity of Sister Lucille, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about the new release. Um, if you were to run into someone in the street and you had to give them that elevator pitch about what this CD is about or what your goals were for it. What would you tell them? Well, um, you know, we're, once again, a pretty humble band. We, we started this band to, to play with our, our dads. And, and, uh, and so we've been never dreamed in a million years that, you know, we would be talking about our second album right now. So for us, kind of all the classic dream come true kind of thing. And what we're, our main focus is to stay true the music that comes to us naturally um because you know obviously the blues has been redone over and over and over again yeah. by me so everybody has their own take on it and i think that me personally i think that trying to be true to yourself uh that's where i want to be and so if i hand somebody a cd tomorrow i'm gonna tell them hey i want you guys to check out my band you know listen to this music but also listen to the lyrics, listen to the feel and the melodies of these songs, because this is basically my heart and soul and, and my whole life's work all, all in a little package. <laughs> and, and we don't, it's always been our goal to make sure that we're kind of not in a box. So we like each one of our songs to kind of take you to a different place. Maybe it feels like maybe a different subgenre, like, some of it's more country because of me and where I came from. Um, we have a we have a Crystal Gale cover on this one. Um, you know, I kind of my my producer Reba Russell. She uh, had never really listened to Crystal Gale, and she wanted kind of bring a little bit of that out of me. And I think it's it's one of one of the most special songs on the record because of that. I think it's it's a whole different side of me that most people aren't going to be. You know. They're going to be like, that's Kimberly? <laughs> we, we hope that there's a little something on there for everybody, basically. Yeah, because exactly. we listen to a lot of different genres, and we obviously have a, a, a large uh, background of different different genres when we were younger. Playing, I was, played a lot of rock and roll back in the day. Um, but, you know, there's something about Memphis that just captured our hearts, and and we knew that that, that style of music, we weren't for sure what kind of music we were even going to be recording at that point. But, you know, when we stayed true to ourselves and stayed, stayed true to what we like, and, and then you involve all that influence from Memphis, which, I mean, you know, when you arrive in that town, you immediately are the shittiest guitar player. There. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you better spend a little time there if you really want to, you know, get your chops up. And that's exactly what we did. We kind of went to school in Memphis and, yeah. and, and and so we're so there's a little bit of soul on the record there's a little bit of funk there's some country there's some rock and there's your mainstream blues and you know that's kind of what i mean about you can't really put us in a box so i guess we're we're contemporary more con a little more contemporary um 
and you know the last record it, we we did really well so it, it, in our in our minds we kind of had to do a little better than the last one and that was kind of hard to do winning the blues blast award for best debut album we were up for three um making a scene yeah award you know and that was pretty that was pretty special to us on our first record so we wanted this one to be you know a little special and i tried to do that by first of all we have a full woman team you know our, our producers are both women don hopkins and Reba russell um the blue-eyed bitches <laughs> out of memphis and um you know i wrote most of the songs jamie wrote a couple he writes all the music though but lyric wise so I'm trying to write more for the women on this one. And then we've got, you know, a full woman team as far as production and um, record label promotion down to the photographers, you know. <laughs> so it was kind of, I, 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 you know, I think that's really cool that I could say as far as Blue Heart Records goes, we're the first, we're the first um, full woman team that they've ever had on a record. So that's kind of special to me. Cool. Now, um, you know, it's interesting that, you know, you have this um, diversity um, that you decided to put on this particular release. Uh, I always found, you know, especially today, the way that the consumer listens to music is different than in mm -hmm. prior years. Uh, I don't think genres are important to the listeners today when they're creating mm -hmm. more or less soundtracks for their lives. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's actually to an artist's advantage to have a diversity of, of uh, music on a release so you can really appeal to a wider swath of the market. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for exactly. Sure. Now, and that, and that's why we're. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna, I was just going to say that that's why you know we're we're pretty explicit in in describing what we do, and that is is that it's if you're looking for just you know hardcore traditional blues, you might find a couple of those songs on our albums, but you know we're we we love so many other different things. And, uh, and so that's just how we write and how we record. And, and we hope somebody comes away from that going, you know, Hey, there's a couple blues tunes on that album, you know? Um, but there's also, they have this other, I guess you got to be careful with the blues purists from time to time. Cause they can get a little cantankerous, you know, <laughs> well, off anyway to hell with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. But, yeah, you know, mean, and, but I do under, I, I do mean, understand you know, about preserving. When you really think about it, you know, uh, when you're at your gig and it's about one o'clock in the morning and you look out on that crowd, it doesn't matter yeah. what venue you're in. Those blues purists are all in bed. They're home. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we got to do. Most of our shows eight to ten, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you want to... If you want to, you know, just say to hell with the purists, just, you know, just go past me now. You know, they go home. Well, you know, the, the thing is, is that as far as the old school blues and, and the old school artists, I think that's the main place that, that I turn, you know, for, for, for true blues inspiration. I mean, you know, I, I, I can never get enough Freddie King, man. I mean, yeah. I listen to Freddie King all day, every day. Um, and and so I get I I understand their fight, you know I really do. And 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 but if I was to play nothing but blues on my albums, then I wouldn't be being true to myself. No. And well, you know, and so to me, to me, yeah. You know, I listen. I look at the blues, and you know, there's that saying, you know, keep the blues alive, keep the blues alive. Well, I think that's a lot of crap. Um, we yeah. don't need to keep the blues alive. We need to allow the blues to live. You know, yeah. Right. It is an, yes, a living, I, breathing art form that. Yeah. Its true tradition is innovation, not imitation. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, yeah. You know, yeah. Woody yeah. Waters exactly. did not imitate. He he innovated. He took exactly. a sound and exactly. made it his own. You know, uh, exactly. Billy Dixon, Howlin' Wolf, yeah. uh, all of those yeah. guys 
created a sound that was theirs. And yes. I think that is the true tradition of blues, is to create innovation and to create, take what came before and make it your own. Yes, exactly. Man, I, I love that. That's, that's, that's great. That's I'm, exactly I'm going to repeat I that. I had a chance because that's, exactly <laughs> that's exactly how I feel. I mean, well, I, you know, it's, I, it's, the, it's really the reality of, of, you know, the genre itself. You know, and again, like I said earlier, genres are, are really kind of passe now. They're, you know, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. You know, um, right. it's not right. like you go on Spotify and you find the blues genre. You know, you don't. You just find, yeah. right. you know, music that, you know, that is based on what you're listening to. And if you're eclectic, you're going to get an eclectic set of uh, things that are being fed to you. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and the, the blues to me, you know, it, that that term, that that brand, whatever you want to call it, it it's, it opens its arms to so many different styles and so many different ways that you can innovate with it, and and I think that's the beautiful part. That's what drew me to it is that you have soul, yeah. you have funk. You have classic blues, you have rock blues, you have all these different things that you can do under this guise. Which is basically everything. You and, can and, do and, and, and be anything that and you and want. So that's why I said, yeah. oh, I've found my home. Exactly. This, is, this is where I want to be, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not like we even, are, we don't sit down and say, okay, let's write a country song. Okay, let's write a soul song. We just write. And whatever happens, happens. And we're like, yeah, okay, that works. We don't know what genre it's in, but it works. And, you know, like, I don't know. It works. Yeah, it works. <laughs> you know, and, and, yeah. you know uh, and, and I think it's, it's important that we support artists that are taking it to the new place, taking it to the new, um, yeah. the new sound. You know, and, yep. and we have to support, you know, um, like you guys and, and Ali Venable, Venable and all the other new artists that are mm-hmm. out there. Um, Eddie Ninevolt. Yeah, he's Nine, my favorite. Actually, oh, my God. Eddie Ninevolt recorded his very first CD in my studio here in, in, in Atlanta. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? We're huge, we're yeah. huge Eddie fans, man. Yeah, I well, love that yeah, kid was, so much. He was in a band with his brother called Texas Flood, and uh, we recorded his first CD here. Wow! So okay, yeah, I know that he makes did real sense. Well. You know that he is so special and so. Amazing. Yeah, I could. I was gonna say I could talk an hour about Eddie, <laughs> <laughs> and what he's, what I think he's doing. I talk about a breath of fresh air of of somebody that that is, is creating their own sound. Man, I don't care what anybody says. That kid. Uh, he he can't help but be the real deal. Oh yeah, he you know he 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 worked hard and he he woodshedded pretty well yep. for a long time. Yep. yep. So, now yep. let's talk a little bit about um, you guys as songwriters. Um, when you sit down to begin that process, what is your mechanism that allows you to kind of tap into the muse? Well, for me. I write all the time, so I constantly am putting ideas, like, in my phone. I have, like, 300, probably, ideas for songs, and and sometimes, you know, I'll write a full song lyric-wise, and sometimes I'll just have an idea, and I used to not be able to write melody very well at all, and th- with this record, I've got, I've got a lot more melody coming flow, is flowing through me, so I've been able to write a little bit better with every record. But normally, I it, I just give it to Jamie, and he comes up with the music, or he already has music to something. I put the words to it. That's basically my writing process. Now, Jamie's a little more in-depth and has to feel a little bit more to write and be really intuitive with it, where, you know, I'm just, like, writing. I, I'm writing stories all day, you know. <laughs> he, he's a little more in-depth and a little feels a little more. Well, first you of know. all, music usually comes first. The melody usually comes first to me. Yeah. Um, you know, and wherever it comes from, it's some kind of golden gift because I'll just be sitting around and all of a sudden a melody pops in my head or a, a melody and a rhythm and, 
Now, I'm already writing the song before I even think about picking up a guitar or or even thinking about any lyrics at all or where this song's yeah. going. And so for me, I don't really sit down and and say I'm going to write songs today. Um, n- not not that there's anything wrong with that. As a matter of fact, I, I wish that I was... Yeah, more, I have to force him. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was more disciplined and maybe believed in myself maybe possibly is part of the problem a little more. Uh, but I guess over the years, because I've been writing songs since I was just a little kid, because I've played guitar since I was six, um, but it, it seems like that I'm always just waiting for the song to come to me. And usually when it does, it's a uh, good one. I A lot of times yeah. it can be written in, in five or 10 minutes. Now I have songs sometimes that, that sit on the shelf for a couple of years before they finally ever get put together. But most of my songs are usually, usually the, the melody at least and the music is pretty much down in 15 minutes or so. And then for some reason, the melody and the song itself starts to, to, to bring the lyrics out of me as far as what I start to feel about it. Or if, if I've, you know, seen something or been around something in the last couple of days that emotionally has grabbed me, mm-hmm. then that might end up in that song. You know, so. Yeah, I, I definitely use songwriting as therapy. If I'm feeling something, um, I'll write a song about it and I'm done with it. Like it's done. That feeling's over and done with, which is good. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> you know, if you're having a bad day and you need to, I'll write a song about it and then, whoop, that's done and I'm happy. So, um, I use it a lot for that, but music is hard. It's hard for me because I don't play an instrument, but, you know, lyrically, I just write them all. I just write all the time. Now, um, you know, a lot of songwriters have embraced some of the technology out there, um, cell phones and home recording studios. Uh, what are some of the tools that you guys have found to be really indispensable to you as writers? Well, as much as I hate to admit it, at this point in time, I guess I would have to say the cell phone <laughs> because it's it's yep. it's a recording device that's on you twenty four seven. Yep. So at any given time, you might be involved in some type of musical shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Right there is a recording device to capture it all. Um, so once again, when you're a, a pretty improvisational player like me. Um, I just pick up my guitar and just play things a lot, you know, just no. And I steal his songs by him doing that. He's just randomly playing, and I'm like, what is he playing right there? I'll take my phone and go, boop, record, and then write a song to it. And he'll be like, where'd you get that? And I'm like, you were playing it the other day, and you wouldn't have even remembered it if I wouldn't have recorded it. So, yeah, the cell phone is definitely. If I had to pick one thing that, you know, because, I mean, we have capabilities, you know, to record here at home and make demos. And and we do that, but now once again with the with the cell phones, the the iPhones especially yep. having such a great speaker and recording device, is don't even hardly have to multi-track demos anymore. You just get the band real tight and set find the find the best place in the room to set the phone and and record your demos that way. <laughs> and you can actually write uh, through your notes on your phone if you got someone else that has an iPhone with you. Like I write with a guy out of Nashville every once in a while and we write over the, uh, you know, over like looking at each other, video chat or whatever. And we're using our notes. He's, you know, I'm, I'm typing lyrics and he can see what I'm typing and anything that he's recording singing wise, we can record it and put it in that file. So our whole song is right there in my iPhone. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Now, so we of course, do. you know, we have to get to a point where we move the song from that writing phase into the production phase, give it to the band, give it to the producer, mm-hmm. you know, and allow them to kind of get their fingerprints on it. But you got to get to that point. What is your quantifier that you like to use to uh, determine when a song is ready to move to that next phase? And we just we just would shed a lot in the garage. Ultimately, um, most of the time, you know, my drummer has been with me now for most of the life of the band, which yeah. is eight years now. Yeah. Uh, and my bass player, he's been with us now uh, for three years, and he's just a phenomenal 
uh, bass player and uh, the cat that I had actually uh, reached out to, who I was a fan of, and uh, so I knew him more than he knew of me. He played in a in a band that I was a big fan of back in the day, and uh, and so having this just unbelievable rhythm sections as Kevin's played professionally most of his life, my, my drummer and uh, having these guys, I can just take a, a, a fairly good idea to them yeah. and, and play about a minute maybe. Yep. And next thing I know, I got full band <laughs> going behind me, making my song sounding way better than it was before they started playing. Yeah, he'll just sing it to the guitar, or I'll sing it to the guitar, and then they just come right on in, and there's the song starting to be created that fast, usually. So we are so connected, have been playing together now for so long, especially with Kevin, but it's playing with Reed is like we've been playing our whole lives. And, I mean, we can just instantly put music to an idea and start to create a song. And even if the song is is, is just a, a, a chorus or a, or a verse, uh, usually within 30 minutes or so, we'll have a full, complete song with all the bridges and all the stops and all the... You know, this album in particular, I, we did send a lot of our work to our producer, Reba Russell, well, as yeah, we were after, writing. After we, after we yeah. initially wrote the song, we would send them to her and get her approval. You know, is this good enough? <laughs> is this good enough for the record? What do you think? You know, and she she helped us pick out the covers, you know. So a lot of this album was done through her. You know, we got her approval on everything, and she, she helped me write a couple of, you know, co-write and, and, and write some of the music and some of the lyrics on some of the songs. So... We did involve her more than we did on the first record. Well, we had used Reba uh, on the first album for all the background vocals and and and, uh, and she produced production. vocal production. Um, but this time around, um, we actually brought her on and on as as full producers. And uh, because you know that's uh, to me that's like back in the day, I would have said I'll never have a producer. You know. Uh, because that's that's like taking everything that you believe in and handing it over to someone and hoping that that they 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 do what you want them to with it. And uh, sometimes, you know, it's like, oh my God, what's what's happening here? So, and so I'm scared of of a producer, but I knew if there was anyone I could trust, it would be Reba. Yeah. Because Reba's always straight with me, and she's always honest with me, and I, I know that sh that she's going to tell me what she truly feels in her heart about that song, about the writing, and, and about the delivery. And and so by the time we got through with this album, I was really happy that that, that I had full production uh, with us because I really start to see how that it really polishes it up and it really helps the musicians to not overthink. Yes, not and, overthink. And, and it just helps to, to bring in that, that extra perspective but it's got to be somebody you, you trust, and and I was I was already a huge fan of Reba's music, and and then being able to you know just become friends with her as a fan basically, and and get the love that I've gotten over the years, it was kind of a no brainer. That and I was going to do a cover on the record of hers, and then she was like, "Hey, how about if I just write a tune for you to do?" So the first release was "Why Not You" off Tell the World, and. And it's a, a a duo between her and I. I'm trying to bring her back out into the world, let everybody hear Reba again. So it's a woman empowering song, you know. She's such a phenomenal vocalist, you know. It, she she kind of uh, decided to stick around Memphis, you know, years ago, and she does pretty well for herself, herself there. And 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 her production uh, team and is, is doing well. They're producing artists out of Memphis and. And so I get it, but like Kim says, it's like uh, we need her. <laughs> we need we need to tell the world about Reba Russell yes, for exactly. one and many other things. <laughs> okay. So I was like, if you want to write us a song, that's what I need. So there, she, like I said, we she helped me write some songs on this one and wrote me a song. <laughs> All right, now let's talk about going into the studio um, because you know having songs that's part of the equation. The next real artistic 
endeavor then is to get it into the studio and you create it sound. Not only the identity for the song, but also you guys as artists. That sound yeah. that people say, yeah, that's Sister Lucille. How do you like to work in that environment to get the sound you're looking for? Well, first of all, you start in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. For us, pretty much, right? We started right there. Amy? Oh, you want me to take this one? <laughs> I want you to take this one. <laughs> uh, well, I mean... You're the studio guy. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, once again, for me, it's 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 also starts with finding the right spot. Because uh, can't just go record anywhere. I mean, I guess you could, but, <laughs> um, you know. So, <clears throat> trying to top our first album, which was recording at Art and Studios, um, wasn't hardly going to be able to do that. Um, that was such a great experience to record in one of the best studios in the world. Um, but you know, once again, um, Don and Reba, man, they're, they're plugged into Memphis, and Memphis was once the recording capital of the world, so they're still some decent recordings coming out of Memphis, Tennessee. Nobody should forget about that. Yeah. And Nashville isn't the only place that records music, but anyway, um, so we just must look to our local connection, man. Yeah. <laughs> where, where's the good spot? Who's, who's recording where and, and, and what? And, and they said, you know, there's this little studio that's not a very big studio and it's not super fancy like Arden. And, but the two cats that are running it are are very well known, and they've done a lot of work in the area. They did a lot of work for American uh, studios out of Memphis for a lot of years, and uh, and and so we went and checked it out, and it was just the vibe was there, man. It was it, it, these cats are really cool people, and they know what they're doing. They know their 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 equipment. They've they've got anything you could possibly need there if if you didn't bring your own. Um, and and so, you know, starting with a good vibe and, and a good place to record the music and people you trust on your team, that's where it all starts for me. Then we can start to actually set up and, <laughs> and record the song. Yeah, we had, Don Hopkins was the engineer and also the producer. So, I mean, when I say we had a full woman team, we had a full woman team. <laughs> nice. Even the lady turning the knobs and building the guitar solos and, for the woman. <laughs> and if, if you want me to elaborate farther on, on the process, I mean, we like to, once again, we're mostly traveling as a three-piece guitar, bass, drums with a female lead vocalist. So as much as we love horn music and, 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 and B3 and, and so on and so forth, um, you know, it doesn't make sense to go out and record a whole album that that doesn't have any three piece music on it. So well, it's kind of Reba's goal to keep it organic. Yeah. Like so that. we're we're doing the best we can to not overproduce and not add to even even though we have a lot of wonderful, talented friends in Memphis that will come play on our album and 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 and, and we still had that on this album on on two songs. The horns wise, um, horns but wise. yeah, we kept the horns down on this song only the two songs. And uh, and what we like to do is we like to just capture the three piece live. So, and and if if I got a solo down well enough, I'll even play the solo sometimes. And then we just go back and and multi track vocal uh, parts over that. And 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 if the song calls for a B three or a horn, um, you know we'll, we'll multi track that. But we like to go with that three piece live live sound, man. That's 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 kind of a little bit our signature, I think. Mm-hmm. I would okay. agree. Now, um, you're working with Betsy Brown, talking about a all-female team. Uh, tell yes. me a little bit about that relationship. Well, you know, we had never worked with Betsy before, so it's just kind of starting right now. It's kind of just beginning. But um, it was... It, well, Betsy it was, through Blue Heart. Um, yeah, well, that's know, what... It, yeah, it was very... Started. It started through... You know, us finding the right record label, which then that's where Betsy came with that. Blue Heart is owned by Sally um, Bingston, and 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 that was another thing that I loved. I was like, okay, I want a record label that's owned by a woman. So Sally, and with Sally came wonderful Betsy. 
So here we are, and you know, I'm just I've I haven't I've only had a few conversations with Betsy so far, but I've seen what she's done with other artists, and I think she's amazing. I mean, you got Buddy Guy. I mean, come on. <laughs> if it's good enough for Buddy Guy, yeah, yeah. good enough for me, man. <laughs> and, you know, she's a strong woman in in fighting through the sea of 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 men that are promoters and publicists and and you know. I, uh, I've, I've heard she's a, a strong fighter and that's someone I really wanted behind me, you know, to just support the whole woman team theme. <laughs> okay. Now let's talk about the music industry a little bit. Um, now we, we all know that the consumer has embraced streaming as a way to, you know, consume music. Uh, it, it's a reality that we all now have to deal with. Um, the problem is, is that now uh, recorded music no longer is looked at as something to purchase. It's not a product anymore. It's a, it's a service. People yeah. expect it free on their phone or at least for whatever they pay for whatever streaming service they're on. How has this shift in perception affected you guys as artists so far? Well, you know, it's... <laughs> I can only imagine, you know, what some of the major acts, the impact that it had, you know, it, it affects everyone and, and lower level, you know, acts like, you know, in other words, you know, I understand uh, what Metallica and, and, and what Bono was trying to do, <laughs> you know, back in the 90s yeah. when they were trying to say, hey, everybody, you know. That's how we make our money. That's and, how, Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, they got a lot of slack. I think from the public about it. Oh, you guys are millionaires, you know. Uh, yeah. But I think now maybe if we could all go back in time. We would all be sending support money. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, obviously, if you have a business, your business is to sell a product, and this is called the music business. And in the music business, you sell a product, and that product is the songs, is the music, it's the recordings of the music, you know, um, otherwise, you know, you're just playing shows and, and, and playing gigs and that is one part of it. And you can make money doing that, uh, on the lower level, you pretty much have to play five, six nights a week to, to, to actually make a living these days. Um, so if you're not able to make any money, the merch is very important off of, off of selling your albums and your recordings, and it, it now it's like, oh, well. You can sell flash drives. You can sell, uh, you know. Not so much. Like he says, the streaming. I mean, the streaming service, I, we're both sitting here guilty of it right now. I have Apple Music free with my phone <laughs> through Verizon. But I also buy CDs when I go see people in of, concert. Of course we do, but. I listen to a lot of music, just the same as everybody else is. But when you don't have the capability of playing CDs in your vehicle, what are you supposed to do? I mean, well, that's yeah, the bad thing, yeah, right? Really I mean, we used about to. It, you can't go to the store. You can't go to Best Buy and buy a CD player. No, you no. can't go to a, a new, you know, you a new car dealer and get a car with a CD player in it. Everything no. is streaming now. So CDs have become like vinyl. Yeah, once the hardware disappears, that software yeah. is right behind it. So, yeah. you know, it's just a matter of, I don't know, months, maybe a year or two before CDs become totally irrelevant. Uh, and oh, I, I know. don't care what anyone tells you. Vinyl is not going to save our asses. That's a great little, no. you know, no. item. No. You can sign it. It's big. People take it home. They put it on their shelf. Right. But they're not putting yeah. it on a turntable to listen to your music. They're streaming it. No. You know? You're exactly yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very true. Now, I don't know what we're going to do. It is something that is, you know, plaguing all of us in many different... I mean, look at what all the streaming sites are coming out. You know, you don't even have to have cable now, but you got to have 10 different streaming sites. I mean, it's just getting ridiculous. Well, maybe, you know, the whole concept of maybe the artist should make more than one millionth of a penny when the yeah. song gets streamed on Spotify is a relevant argument. I mean, I'm pretty sure the CEO of Spotify is doing pretty good. Oh, yeah. Last time I checked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, so know, true. 
I mean, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, this is not a sustainable business model. We can't continue to run a music industry and and basically tell um, 80% of those who are in the industry, um, we're going to you know, set up a system whereby you have no chance of breaking even on uh, any recorded yeah. project. You know? Yep. Through any kind of sales or streaming or whatever it may be, and I think that's just mm-hmm. it's it's just not sustainable. We can't continue that way. Um, no. Yeah. Now yeah. there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed about, especially with the digital revolution, is that it constantly is changing. The platforms have changed. How people are consuming music has changed. Uh, we've gone from LimeWire to Napster to iTunes to Spotify. Mm-hmm. So no one company had any lock on the industry forever. Um, you know, everyone said, oh, iTunes, you know, 99 cent downloads. It's Apple. They're going to own the industry forever. Well, no. Spotify came along. and You know, who has an iPod now? You know, it's it's in your drawer somewhere. Yeah. You know? Um, yep. And, you know, so we know that there is constant change within the industry. And one of the technologies that I'm watching very closely is this new technology that's creating streaming platforms on the blockchain, which is that um, technology that secures cryptocurrency. And mm-hmm. one of the things, the, a few of the advantages of this is, number one, it's decentralized. In other words, no one company can own the blockchain or own these services. They're um, they're owned by the fans and by the artists. So it's more of a direct relationship between fans and artists. Uh, the mm-hmm. other is is because it's being um, controlled by what they call smart contracts and digital applications that are embedded in the blockchain. They're saying that they can pay up to 80% of the incoming revenue directly back to the artists themselves. So that's one technology that I found really interesting. Um, There are several streaming platforms that are either working right now or in development. Um, Two that I know that are up and functioning is Audius, uh, A-U-D-I-U-S. And then there's uh, Emanate. And then one that's on the horizon is Audio Locks. And uh, these are all streaming platforms based on this blockchain. And then you have this other technology that's also based on the blockchain, which is a way that your fans can actually buy an investment into your songs individual songs there's a site called royal.io which uh nas uh, took two of his songs off his new release and he made enough of these nfts which is what they allow you to do these non-fungible tokens that represented a small portion of his streaming royalties i believe it was 0.15 percent Um, of his streaming royalties and he put them out and sold it to his fan base and was able to raise almost six hundred thousand dollars off of one half of the royalties on two songs wow not only that now he had almost three thousand fans with an economic interest in making sure that his music is streamed because they get paid yeah yeah and not only that, That's very these things get traded on the open market. So people buy and sell them just like stocks. The way these smart contracts work on the NFTs is Nas now will get at least 10% royalty on every time these things are bought and sold. Mm. Wow. Forever. That's very interesting. Wow. So these are some well, interesting directions that the music industry is is moving towards what do you think of those as potential uh business models for the industry well i mean the way technology has 
obviously taken over everything, especially in the last 15, 20 years. I, I think that every time five or 10 year period passes, like you said, you know, who, who has an iPod anymore? I mean, yeah. you know, the, the technology is changing so quick and so fast and it's, and it's, changing our whole entire society mm-hmm. i believe oh, yeah. i mean you, you look back you know i'm 47 Everyone years old you look back whenever i was a kid you know i i, I can already say you know things were a lot different <laughs> back in the 80s and 90s and, and so if if it works and 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 you can get people to participate i think it's a great thing really um because the alternative is back to the one millionth of one percent. <laughs> so I think if just that, that I'm glad to hear that there's peop, innovative people out there that's that's trying different things and 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 I'm definitely going to research this stuff. Okay. Well, I know a little bit about some of the NFT stuff. A, a good friend of mine uh, started and with NFTs um, quite a few years ago, and uh, he tried to explain it to me a few times, and I just wasn't quite grasping it. But I mean, I understand a little bit more now about it. Um, it's if you you got to kind of know you know what you're doing uh, in the NFT thing. But from what I understand, it's not hard to learn. Well, you know, um, it took me a while to wrap my head around the NFT thing. I actually took a couple courses on it just so I could understand what the hell it all meant. And you know, I it, see. It, it's it's a stretch for us old guys. You know, uh, to to wrap our heads around not owning anything, you know, and, and what really got me is when, you know, you start looking at, you know, the crypto punks and, and, and uh, you know, the whatever birds or whatever they, they you know, these 8-bit graphics that used to be in video games back in the early 80s, you know, people are spending millions of dollars on and just that to me just made no sense i don't have wow. a pocket change laying around that i could invest yeah, in yeah, yeah no my, that's the part i don't understand my buddy's got two nft of of like these apes cartoon right, characters yeah, yeah. and they're worth like twenty thousand dollars a piece or something he was telling me yeah. <laughs> yeah, i don't have 20 grand to drop on an eight bit ape Ape? Right. <laughs> I know. What the heck? Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy, man. But it's pretty crazy. But when you start applying it to the music industry, into real-world applications mm-hmm. that could work, then yep. it makes sense. Huh. You, well, know, you, you need, need to start another company. business, Richard. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure talking to you guys. Oh, thank, thank you for having us thanks for having us we probably talked too much but that's i guess okay. that's better than not talking enough <laughs> but we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release you guys are going to love this uh you just turn it up loud screw the neighbors we're gonna have some fun <laughs> <laughs>
artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Make you shout now, honey. Gonna make. 